Welcome to Destination Murder, the true crime podcast. Each week, the hosts, that's us, BFS Megan and Tegan, cover stories from a new part of the world. Get ready to combat your travel bug and feed your true crime obsession. What's up, Tegan? Hey, Welcome Megan. back. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. On my podcast, the one that I run by myself, I now have a guest called Tegan. I'm just here every week for fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually my podcast, and Tegan is just the guest every week. Yeah. <laughs> Megan can't find any other um, guest hosts, so she just asks me every week. She's like, hey, uh, could, do you mind doing me this favor again? <laughs> Yeah, it's the Megan plus Tegan, but Tegan is always the guest show. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you have a good Christmas time? I did have a good Christmas time. Um, I got a, a new microphone so I don't have to steal my sisters anymore. And I got a pop filter so now you guys don't have to listen to me breathing all the time. <laughs> but you still have to listen to me breathing. Yeah. <laughs> It's just one now, not two. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I got um, a bunch of true crime books. Well, not a bunch. I say a bunch, but really it's just two. So Tegan gave me um, the book by Anne Rule called The Stranger Beside Me, The Shocking Inside Story of Serial Killer Ted Bundy. Exciting. So I am exciting to read that that's by her friend and co-worker i think he warned her he's like careful um there's a lot of girls that look like you going missing around here yeah he used to walk her to her car all the time so that she wouldn't to get protect her yeah isn't that psychotic yeah it definitely is okay and then the second book i got I laughed so hard when I read this. So my mom got me a book by an author, Megan Golden, called The Night Swim. But listen to this. Ever since her true crime podcast became an overnight sensation and set an innocent man free, Rachel Kral has become a household name and the last hope for people seeking justice. So I'm sure my mom took one look at that and was like, Megan needs this. Yeah. It's funny because the author's name is Megan, too. Yeah, but it's spelled the wrong way. Yeah. They're missing out on the H. As <laughs> both of us know, G-H is superior. Yeah. No no G-A. That's it's, uh, irrelevant. No. Or E-A-G. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Sorry to anyone whose names are spelled that way. The Tegan and Megan E-G-H-A-N crew yeah. are here to tell you. <laughs> This is better. Um, My sister got me um, this really cute copy of Wuthering Heights. Um, It's like this little tiny book so I can fit it in my purse and carry it around and read it with me whenever I want. Um, But it's so pretty and it has um, like like the the pages are like a gold uh, trimmed on the outside. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. And then it has the famous quote on the back. Um, whatever his soul is made of, his and mine are the same or whatever, however it goes. But it's really cute. I love it. I can't wait to read it. Oh, that's such a good gift, yeah. especially because you love reading. And you're like getting deeper into reading a yeah. lot. You like every week, Tegan has a new book. That was the only book I got for Christmas. 
Oh my goodness. I know. I'm going to have to get you a book for your birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll send you my um, wish list of books that I want. Your list. <laughs> it's got like if 40 only Harry books on Styles it. has written an autobiography. Yeah. Then we'd be golden. Then I would never have to read anything again because that mm-hmm. would be all the knowledge I'd need in the world. Yeah. Thanks to everyone for listening to our Christmas special. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And I know it's not Christmas still, but, you know, if you want to give us a rate, review, and subscribe, it helps us reach more listeners. So that would really help us yeah. out. Really be a great a great um, gift for us. Yeah. You know, a belated bel- Christmas yeah. gift. Yeah. Belated Christmas gift. So please. And thank you. Okay, Tegan. I'm taking you today to Hungary. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Okay, so I got my sources this week from Britannica.com, thehistorychannel.com, This Day in History, Wikipedia, and Gizmodo.com. So I'm not only taking you to Hungary, I'm taking you way back in time for this story. I'm covering the story of the Countess Elizabeth Battery, a Hungarian countess who tortured and murdered hundreds of young Hungarian girls in the late 16th and 17th centuries. Ooh. So that's like the year like 1590. That's crazy. So we're going way back. Yeah. Ooh, I just saw a word that I'm not going to be able to pronounce even though I looked it up. So Elizabeth was born in the year 1560 in Nirbator in the Kingdom of Hungary. Back then, the Kingdom of Hungary spanned much of Eastern Europe from like modern day Austria to the Black Sea. So like pretty much from like Vienna almost all the way to Turkey essentially. So it was a big big honking kingdom. <laughs> her family was wealthy nobility in the region. Her uncle was king of Poland at the time and her father controlled Transylvania, which was I'm sure you probably know what Transylvania is because of like I feel like every medieval like vampire movie is based in Transylvania. Um but it was actually like sort of like a province or region within the kingdom of Hungary. And right now it would be um, all encompassed in the kingdom of Romania. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry, not the kingdom of Romania, modern day Romania. (laughs) I I was laughing to myself there because as soon as you said Transylvania, I did not go to like old school vampire movies. I went to Hotel Transylvania. (laughs) I was like, ah, yes, Adam Sandler, a classic. (laughs) <laughs> I thought that Pennsylvania was like the American American version of Transylvania. Like I thought that they were like related in some sense. I mean, honestly, common mistake. That's where all the vampires are. Mm-hmm. And places that end with Ania. Wait, are you saying Joe Biden's a vampire? Isn't he from Pennsylvania? I don't know. Maybe. Or is he from Vermont or something? Maybe. <laughs> I think Maybe. it's Pennsylvania. I don't know these things. But it's fine. Tegan, come on. You're supposed to be the expert on American geography. Yeah, and American politics, apparently, too. Of course. (laughs) Elizabeth was raised in a castle in Hungary. A castle whose name I have no hope of pronouncing, even after looking it up multiple times. Echid? Echid? No, I can't help you there. Sounds right. (laughs) Now, Elizabeth and her family, it seemed, were a little bit kooky. During her youth, the more disturbed family members around her taught her things such as Satanism and sadomasochism, hobbies which she discovered she very much enjoyed. 
She also suffered from seizures, likely the result of generations of inbreeding within the wealthy nobility of her family. And her doctors would rub the blood of people who didn't get seizures on her lips in hopes of curing her. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Ah, yes. Blood lipstick cures all seizures. I love medieval medicine. It's so funny. You have to let the ghosts out. Cut yourself open and let you just bleed out. Yeah, like bloodletting. That's the best one. So in 1575, at the age of 15, Elizabeth married Count Ferenc Nadashti, a part of another powerful Hungarian family. He was 19 at the time, so there wasn't too big of an age gap there, thankfully. Although she refused to change her last name to his because she was from a higher status family, so instead her husband took on the Bathory name. As a wedding gift, the couple were gifted the Castle Chastich, or Castich, a castle located in Eastern Europe, which is now um, in modern-day Slovenia. I actually looked it up, and it still exists, although it's, like, in quite a bit of ruin. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, so Tegan, we need to go visit one day. Yeah, sounds like a mm-hmm. plan to me. Uh, along with the castle, they were gifted the 17 surrounding villages. Uh <laughs> I guess it was like a package deal. Yeah, it's like, oh, actually, uh, if you're getting this, you also have to take all the people, too. Sorry. (laughs) So at the time, Hungary was, like, as I said, um, a kingdom, (laughs) which meant that nobility lived in castles and the peasants lived around the castles on their farms or their little villages, like those 17 little villages that the couple were gifted. Elizabeth and her husband moved into Castle Castiche and began to rule the area. Once the newlyweds moved in, Elizabeth requested that her husband build her a torture chamber in their new castle, um, her being such a Satanist and sadomasochist and all. So weird. (laughs) I know. Once the torture chamber was done, the couple began kidnapping young peasant girls and the castle's servants, uh, torturing their victims together as a couple. Mm, Fun little couples bonding experience. That's so great. I'm glad they're really, like, really working on their relationship like that. Yeah. So good for them. Many young peasant girls were sent up to the castle by their parents from the surrounding villages to learn etiquette. Uh, But instead of teaching them etiquette, Elizabeth would keep them and torture and murder them. And the girls would just mysteriously never return home. Their etiquette was poor, so (laughs) off with their heads. Elizabeth and her husband would jam pins and needles under the fingernails or would tie them down and cover them in honey, leaving them for the bees and the ants to devour. Um, This is known to have happened or like to have been rumored to happen to these girls, but I will just tell you a little bit about other common types of torture in medieval Europe while we're here. Okay. So I've got a a bunch of little torture stuff that I looked up. So there's one thing called the Judas Cradle or the Judas Chair, which was an Italian invention where a person was suspended by ropes above like a, a pointy seat. Like think of like a spear with a big pyramid on top. And you would just place the person um, on that spear and just let gravity do the work um, or like tie weights to their legs and torture them that way. There was also saw torture where a living person was sawed in half, either like from longitudinally or like laterally. So like across your body or down your body. (laughs) Yeah. Gross. There was the pair of anguish, which was 
a way, an, often a way to torture, said like liars, blasphemers, um, women who'd had a miscarriage or were accused of giving themselves an abortion, and um, homosexuals. Uh, it was like a little device that had four metal parts that, and you had like a little crank on the other side, and the four metal parts as you cranked it would open and like stretch. So these would be put in various orifices of the torturee. There was also the breaking wheel where it, there was like a, a wagon wheel which was like put up and someone would be tied to the wagon wheel like with their limbs kind of going over and someone would just beat their limbs until they broke over the spokes of the wagon wheel and then they were left there for days to die. That's... It took them like three or four days to die of like broken limbs and like losing blood loss and stuff disgusting i know we're not done yet (laughs) there's also the iron chair which was a chair with hundreds of sharp iron spikes the person would be sat in this chair and tightened with bonds and then their bonds would be slowly constricted as the chair and which made the chair spikes drive deeper into them oh my goodness there's also, also the head crusher, which was a metal device where you would put your victim's head and slowly constrict the device, which would make these two metal pieces like squeeze their head and crush their skull. Um, there's also the breast ripper, which was used on women. It was like a device crossed between like a fire poker and tongs, essentially. So it had like two points on each side and you would clamp it on the breast and like pull the breast off yeah no yeah and it was often heated so yeah and the final and most disgusting one that i'm going to discuss with you here today is rat torture so there are a lot of different ways of making starving rats eat human beings alive but a popular way was to tie the victim down on their back and place a hungry rat on their stomach and then put a metal jar over top of the rat so the rat was trapped into this copper jar and then you would heat the top of the jar so it would get so hot the rat had no choice but to bury itself down into the human's torso and dig its way out and this took hours yeah and the person would be like alive and awake while this rat was digging around in their stomach no, 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 no. Mm-mm. So that's disgusting. Humans in the medieval, like humans in medieval Europe, were so innovative with their torture, and it is so weird how much time they put into like crafting these torture devices. Yeah, they they really had um, something for torture. The the um, torture device that I remember is the one that like. that I remember that I've seen on movies and stuff is like the one that like they tie your like legs and your hands and they have like a wheel and it like slowly stretches you out until like your limbs break um are you thinking of um the princess bride yeah (laughs) (laughs) but all I could think of whenever I see that kind of stuff I feel like that would just be such a good stretch you know like I just really want someone to take my like neck and just like pull it up and straighten your spine. Yeah, correct. So my back you get like up. a reset. Yeah. Yeah, that would be so nice. So yeah, now back to Elizabeth. Yeah. So while the Count, or Elizabeth's husband, enjoyed torturing the girls, he did have his limits. Elizabeth was reportedly like the insane one. 
Elizabeth wanted to go crazy and experiment on her victims, but her husband would just like not let her like he had his limits for years. He's like, I draw the line at rat torture. Yeah, that's it. For years, the couple tortured the girls they stole from villages, likely with the help of their servants. In 1578, Elizabeth's husband became a commander of the Hungarian troops, and he had to go to war against the Ottoman Empire. So since her husband was away, Elizabeth was in charge of the estate and in charge of the surrounding villages. While her husband was away, she escalated her tortures. She kidnapped and tortured hundreds of girls while her husband was away, and they would torture them together when he came back. And this went on for decades. In 1605, Elizabeth's husband passed away, leaving Elizabeth free to do whatever she pleased. Oh, God. She began kidnapping girls from the surrounding area at an immense frequency with the help of her servants, bringing them back to her torture chamber before killing them. Elizabeth would torture these girls further by, like, biting off large sections of their flesh, and at least one girl was forced to fry up her own flesh and eat it. (gasps) She would also freeze them to death, starve them to death, burn them with hot tongs, and severely beat them, mutilate their hands, and torture them with needles. It's also said that Elizabeth believed that the blood of these young girls would keep her youthful, and she would drain blood from them and bathe in it. Although oh my this God. is, it's kind of just a rumor, but uh, it's a popular rumor. Some people insist that she was the inspiration for Dracula, and some people even suspect her of cannibalism. Oh, I wouldn't put a past her if she's making other people eat themselves. She's probably like, you know what? Let me ha- actually have a taste of that too. Yeah, she's probably like, okay. Does does this girl die if she eats herself? I don't know. We'll see. By her husband's death in 1605, rumors were already swirling around the kingdom about the Countess's habit of killing young village girls. Church ministers brought these rumors to the high court in Vienna. However, it wasn't until Elizabeth got too bold and began to kidnap and murder the children of wealthy nobility that people did anything. (laughs) Of course. Mm -hmm. Because of her high status, nobody really cared that she was doing this to villager girls. Apparently, it was kind of known within other nobility that this Elizabeth was, like, batshit and would torture young girls. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, that <laughs> that that girl over there. But then her doing it to other high-status individuals, not going to fly. In 1610, the king of Hungary, King Matthias II, finally sent someone to investigate these rumors. The king sent a dude named... Durzo, Palatine of Hungary, out to Castle Castiche to have a little chat with the Countess and people in her domain. Uh, what is the Palatine of Hungary, you ask? Well, great question, Tekin. <laughs> the Palatine of Hungary is essentially the highest ranking official in the kingdom next to the king, I would assume. So the king sent like basically his second in hand out to deal with Elizabeth. Derzo began asking around the villages she controlled, asking about the missing girls and any rumors about the Countess abducting them. He got 52 witness statements nearly immediately, and after a year of investigating in the region, he'd collected over 300 statements from witnesses about Elizabeth's torturous shenanigans. Oh my god. Witnesses claimed that Elizabeth had first started kidnapping village girls around the ages of 10 to 14, Like, the girls were 10 to 14, not Elizabeth. 
At first, Elizabeth just stole the girls that had been sent up to her to learn etiquette, but when this wasn't enough, Elizabeth began kidnapping the peasant girls with the help of her servants. Nearly everyone knew a girl who had disappeared or who had gone to the castle and never returned. Wow. Villagers also reported seeing dead bodies appearing in unmarked shallow graves or dumped in graveyards with evidence of torture on them. A couple people even claimed to have been there and witnessed Elizabeth torture girls. All of these witness statements were now enough to arrest Elizabeth. In December of 1610, Thurzo arrested Elizabeth and four of her servants at Castle Castiche. During this arrest, they found a dead girl in the torture chamber and another girl clinging to life. Deeming it too scandalous to hang Elizabeth for her crimes, they kept her under house arrest in Castle Castiche. Um, Her and four of her servants were tried for like torture and murder and found guilty of over 600 murders. Oh my god. Like how? That's crazy that it took that long to actually get anything done. Yeah. (laughs) She pretty much, like 600, that would be like a village. (laughs) She like pretty much tortured and killed a whole village over like 30 years or whatever however much she basically killed one person a day for two years Mm -hmm. almost yeah and when this was happening she was in her early 20s like when she started because she got married when she was 15 and they moved into the castle when they were like 15 16 so all of this she was doing to like girls that were like right around her age i wonder what why like did she have like some form of jealousy did she think that like they were her competition or something and they she just needed to like get rid of all of these girls i don't know i feel like she was probably taught that these like servant people and like peasants weren't worthy so she felt like she could do just like whatever she wanted with them and she just wanted to experiment and like see how much pain they could like the human body could sustain that's my theory that's wild so elizabeth wasn't sentenced to death she was just sentenced to house arrest for the rest of her life but her four servants were not lucky though Uh, they all admitted to helping with the murders and kidnappings only after being severely tortured so lots of torture going around this time (laughs) After their confessions, which implicated both Elizabeth and themselves, they were swiftly executed for their crimes. In August of 1614, after only about four years of being on house arrest, Elizabeth complained to one of her guards that her hands were really cold. He told her it was probably nothing and she should just, you know, go to bed and go lie down. The next day, Elizabeth was found dead in her room, having died in her sleep when she was in her, like, I think age 54. Wow. I wonder what the cold hands was. Yeah. I wonder if it was, like, circulation-related. Yeah. So she was buried in the Church of Castiche, but the villagers protested, and there was huge uproar, so her body was dug up and sent back to her home of Echid, Echid, instead. (laughs) I love that. And that was the story of Elizabeth Bathory, although I will just have a little disclaimer. There are some people who think this was entirely made up, because she was a wealthy woman of nobility and had control over a lot of land because after her husband died she controlled the estate and so there are some historians who believe that she was the victim of like a conspiracy to overthrow her and you know take over her estate 
That's wild. So just, you know, keep that in mind, but it is absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't know why, but this, I had to look it up because I can never remember the name of this movie. Um, but this story really reminded me of Crimson Peak. Did you ever watch that? No, I didn't. Um, it was this like older woman who like would, was, um, like basically kidnapping and like torturing, um, young girls, um, so that she could like remain youthful and so that her family wouldn't, um, die. Um, and then this other girl came in cause she tried, uh, she was marrying, um, this woman's brother and she ended up finding all the ghosts and everything. But yeah. Hmm. That honestly could have been like based on Elizabeth yeah. Battery. Yeah. Cause it's kind of set in that time too. Cool. That was so interesting. It's crazy. I know. Just the idea of like medieval times, I would just love to go back and be a fly on the wall and just look at how people lived and look at like how, I don't know, I just, I find like the architecture of castles so fascinating too. Like I would love to do a Europe trip where we just drove around and went to a whole bunch of castles. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially in like eastern europe i was looking at a whole bunch of these photos and there are so many like beautiful castles in this beautiful landscape in especially like eastern europe like slovenia croatia romania i was really cool yeah i i would love to look at um a lot of the old churches too because those took so long to build and like the fact that they're like still around like it's just amazing to me and like the architecture is wild but like yeah they just look like the amount of work that went into them it's absolutely crazy i remember the first time i went to europe which was like when i moved to amsterdam for six months i went into a church and it was like built in 1066 and i was like oh it's so old (laughs) but we went there it was like the Oudekerk in Amsterdam in yeah. like the red light district I think we went there oh no we, I don't think we did we went to the one that was close to Anne Frank's house um uh Ude West yeah the Westerkirk Westerkirk the West Church but yeah the thing that gets me is that in these churches like the people were buried under the floor yeah I didn't know that until you told me that and I had walked in there before and then you were like, yeah, these are all graves that you're walking on. I was like, <laughs> excuse me? I know. So there's like human remains under there, which is insane because it's so rude. It's like a bad almond and rude to like step on someone's grave. Yeah. Now. But they're all graves. Yeah. So people had no choice but to walk, walk all over them. Yeah. That's actually wild. Alrighty. Shall I uh, pop into my story? Yes, where are you taking me? I can't remember. I am taking you to Indonesia. Amazing. And I am telling you the coffee murder. Oh, I love coffee. Let me just take a sip of my my eggnog latte that Ooh. I have here. Just mm. so good. Coffee. Delicious. Um, my roommate made me try her coffee yesterday. Um it wasn't really coffee. It was like a Starbucks caramel coffee that they have. And then it had like caramel um, 
creamer in it. So it basically just tasted like bitter caramel. I didn't yeah. mind it. But anyways, um, my sources for the week are Wikipedia, ABC, New York Times, uh, Coconuts, Jakarta, and BuzzFeed. Okay, so on January 6th, 2016, Wyan Myrna Selhin died in the hospital after drinking a Vietnamese iced coffee at the Oliver Cafe at in the Grand Indonesian Shopping Mall in uh, Jakarta. According to police, cyanide um, that was put in her coffee was the cause of her death. The coffee in question was bought by her longtime friend, Jessica Kumala Wongso. Jessica, Jessica, what did you do? What did you do, Jessica? Okay, so the case became one of the most famous and phenomenal case uh, murder cases in Indonesia, with the Indonesian mur- uh, media covering the case extensively. The case was televised and showed every minute of the trial, which gripped Indonesia as well as Australia, where the women attended college together. So Jessica and Myrna both studied at the graph at a graphic design school in Sydney and had kept in contact in the years after they had graduated. Jessica, who became a permanent resident of Australia, worked for the New South Wales Ambulance, and then after finishing her degree, Myrna turned to live in Indonesia. At 2 p.m. on January 6, 2016, 27-year-old Jessica arrived at the Grand Indonesia Shopping Mall in Jakarta to meet two friends at 5 p.m., one of which was Myrna. After making reservations at the Olivier Cafe and doing some shopping, Jessica returned to the cafe at 4 p.m. and ordered drinks, including the Vietnamese iced coffee that killed Myrna. So an hour before they were supposed to have a meetup, she was ordering drinks for everyone. Oh, that's weird. Right? Especially, yeah. like, if it was a hot drink, then it would be cold by that point. And, like, ice drinks, I feel like they would probably start to melt a lot by the time that anyone showed up. That is so weird. Yeah. So Very suspicious, Jessica. Very. Um, Jessica waited until Myrna arrived at 5 p.m., and during this time, the drinks were hidden um, from view of the security camera with shopping bags Jessica had placed on the table. Soon after arriving, Myrna takes took a sip of coffee and complained that the coffee tasted really bad before losing consciousness shortly after. So I guess she's clearly one of the people who can taste cyanide. Can some people taste it and some people can't? Some people can't taste it. Some people can. Um, The people who can taste it say that it tastes like bitter almonds. Oh. Oh, okay. I've actually heard that before. Yeah. Um, I was like, I want to see if I can taste it, but no, I don't. Probably I don't want idea. to test that theory. I think you can also smell it. Um, so maybe if you smell it, I don't know if smelling uh, cyanide will kill you though. So maybe the fumes will just like make you unconscious. Uh, yeah. So proceed with caution. Don't try it at mm-hmm. home, kids. <laughs> um, which one was the one that was a permanent resident of Australia? Is it Myrna? Jessica. Um, so oh, okay. Jessica had come back to Indonesia to visit some friends. Myrna. Okay, she's kooky. Yeah. Crazy lady. So uh, an ambulance was called to the cafe and Myrna was rushed to Abdi Walio Hospital in Menteng, central Jakarta, where she died later at 6 p.m. So it was a very quick 
death um, less than an hour. So. Yeah, that's like, so she just lost consciousness in like a minute after tasting it. And then an hour later, she was dead. Yeah. Um, wow. According to the autopsy conducted by Kramat Jati Police Hospital on January 10th, uh, evidence of bleeding was found in Myrna's stomach. The police claimed that cyanide was found both in the coffee Myrna was drinking as well as her stomach, which to me is like slightly confusing because like my thought process is like if you're at a restaurant and someone like faints or goes unconscious, like you're like the food that they were eating isn't like packaged away for like police to examine like how was the coffee still around that police were able to test it like wasn't it thrown away or the glasses were washed or like how just like how i just want to know maybe like there were three of them there right yeah maybe the second like the third person so not jessica and not myrna maybe she kept the coffee because jessica was like oh this tastes weird and then like Mm. fell unconscious or maybe they, like, pulled the coffee out of her stomach since it wasn't digested and tested that. Also possible. It's yeah. Smart thinking. Thank you. Um, We're just working through this problem together. Yeah. <laughs> um, so an interesting thing uh, was when... Oh, so the, it was found in her coffee and in her stomach. So they had, they had the coffee and then they also had her stomach. Oh, okay. When asked why a conclusive autopsy had not been conducted on the victim, it was noted that it was common in the predominantly Muslim country not to do, not to conduct autopsies. So they only did mm-hmm. like a partial one, um, which is also kind of problematic a little yeah, bit, especially when you're going to commit someone to jail. But anywho. Um, on January 30th, 2016, Jessica was charged with the premeditated murder of Myrna and was taken to into police custody pending trial. Records handed over to the Indonesian authorities by Australian Federal Police detailed Jessica's complicated mental health history, including four suicide attempts that required hospitalization, threatening behavior towards colleagues, an alcohol-fueled road accident, and an apprehended violence order taken out against her by her ex-boyfriend. So an AVO, um, the apprehended violence order, is an order to protect victims of domestic violence when they are fearful of future violence or threats to their safety. Uh, there are They are sometimes called restraining orders or protection orders. So I think it's basically a restraining order, but it is specifically because of violence inflicted like physical like domestic violence yeah hmm so instead of like someone like just like harassing you or like getting up all in your business and like not leaving you alone it's like actually because they're physically violent with you yeah it's like a step up yeah so the alleged motive was jessica was angry that myrna had suggested that she break up with a troublesome boyfriend and was jealous of Myrna's own relationship as she had just recently married Arif Somarco weeks before her death. <laughs> I feel like if every girl went around murdering their friends because their friends had told them to break up with problematic boyfriends, 
<laughs> they were not. There would be a lot of deaths on our hands. <laughs> yeah. And also how sad is that that she had literally just gotten married like a couple of weeks beforehand and then she was murdered. Yeah, that's so sad. Really thought her life was just starting, um, but it was just about to end. So the security camera footage showed Jessica putting three shopping bags she had with her on the table, blocking her and the drinks from the camera's views. Um, After making a series of unknown movements, she placed the bags on a seat. Jessica repeatedly told the court that she could not remember her movements after arriving at the cafe. Unknown movements? I just think she's just like violently thrashing around (laughs) or like doing some kind of modern dance yeah (laughs) like dramatically like dropping the cyanide into the drinks that is so weird yeah i don't get it and at first when i was like covering this i was like why would she be like thinking about putting um the bags up to like hide from the security cameras like did she know that there was cameras there but then i was like well like she was probably just doing that because of like other people in the cafe she didn't want other people seeing her put putting yeah drugs she was just lucky that it was on the security camera side yeah so the australian federal police also assisted in the case after being guaranteed the death penalty would not apply three australian toxicology and forensic expert experts testified during the case that there was no proof cyanide was the cause of death um but the prosecution said uh other evidence such as different differentiation in the coffee's color and the presence of cyanide in the cup indicated the victim died of poisoning so they did have yeah there is no proof that cyanide killed her well there was a lot of cyanide in her so i think it's safe to say that it did yeah (laughs) and like it was in her cup and she drank from that cup and there was a different color of the coffee so i guess they were like this is the cyanide coffee. This is regular coffee. Oh, wait, they are a different color. Mm-hmm. So therefore, cyanide. Um, a total of 46 witnesses, uh, including the victim's father, husband, and twin sister, as well as cafe employees, testified at the trial, which I think is absurd. Like, that is so many people. <laughs> what that makes me think is just, like, anyone who was there that day was given the option to testify and they're like true crime lovers are like yes i need to testify i definitely did see the three of them there yep there were bags on the table oh me you want to know where i was sitting i was sitting over in the corner and when i saw like just like uh that would be us <laughs> yeah um the restaurant employees also noted that jessica showed no emotion after myrna went into convulsions and made no effort to come to aid her so she probably just like sat back in her chair at, while her friend was just like convulsing out yeah and of course the third person that was there with them is going to be freaking out yeah. as well and she's going to notice that for sure because she's going to be like jessica help and, like, Jessica's just, just going to be sitting there. Yeah. And that's going to be really weird. Yeah. <laughs> All I can think of right now, um, of course, I always go back to uh, Harry Styles in One Direction. But um, oh, no. Nickelodeon played a prank on One Direction 
um, with like Louis and Zane. So it was like a joke on Liam and Niall and Harry um, where they were being interviewed by this pregnant woman. And um, (laughs) she went into labor during um, their interview. And so they were all freaking out and Harry's like holding her. He's like, what do you need me to do? Like, what can I call? Like, like where, like someone help. Like, and Niall was just sitting on the couch, like unbothered completely. <laughs> He's like, Harry's got this. I can just sit here. I will just observe. Uh, Niall is ja- Jessica and, um, <laughs> And Harry is the third person that was yeah. with Jessica. And, yeah. And Mona? Is it Mer- Mona? Myrna. Myrna. Okay. I keep, M-I-R-N-A. I, and Mona, Myrna. Okay. I keep calling her, like, five different names. Okay. Um. So the trial began June 15th, 2016. The nearly five-month trial was broadcasted live. Like... It was a huge... Like O.J. Simpson. Yeah. Like it was... I don't know if that was broadcasted live, but it got a lot of press. Yeah. Um, so on October 27th, 2016, Jessica was found guilty of murder of Myrna by putting cyanide poison into her coffee. She was sentenced to 20 years. Interesting. I just find it so weird that she came back from Australia and committed this murder. Yeah. Like, it's so weird to me. Well, sh- uh, Myrna told her to break up with a problematic boyfriend. That's true. She, but she went to so much, like, so many lengths to come back and then... The other thing maybe um, was because she had just gotten married a couple of weeks beforehand. Maybe she just, like, had, like, a, a long visit or something. Oh, yeah, that's that's possible. And she just got really jealous that her friend was married and she had a a restraining order put on her by an ex. Mm -hmm. And she was like, why won't anyone love me? Maybe because you're crazy. And she was honest, she was definitely not stable. She's been having a lot of mental health issues, so. Mm -hmm. So the Supreme Court uh, rejected Jessica's plea for judicial review to overturn her murder conviction and the 20-year prison sentence. A judicial review in which a convict must present new evidence clearing their name is the last option available for appeal in a criminal case, meaning that Jessica will have to serve out the remainder of her sentencing. Um, Court documents showed that Jessica submitted the plea for judicial review um, and the plea was rejected, though the documents did not specify exactly what new evidence Jessica presented and why the court thought it was insufficient to meet the requirements for judicial review. Um, Here's a fun little thing. Um, Jessica was also listed to appear before the Sydney magistrate on a high range uh, drunk driving charge on February 26, 2016, but she was unable to attend because she was in in custody in Indonesia. Wow. (laughs) So she missed missed court because of the other court that she was in. Nice. And this, well, I guess she won't be convicted in Australia. No. And I th- I also think it's crazy that um she was on going to go to court for a drunk driving charge. Oh, I guess she didn't it wasn't drunk driving that killed someone. But I was going to say that, like Australia made her uh Indonesia promise not to put her on death row. Oh, really? Yeah, but then she was doing uh 
crazy things in Australia. So, yeah, Australia had mm-hmm. her back. Okay, and the last final thing that I'm going to tell you about this case is the case set off morbid curiosity and made national headlines that intrigued residents, and they have flocked to the restaurant to sit in the booth where Myrna was poisoned and to order the iced Vietnamese coffee that was the last thing she drank. The restaurant now regularly runs out of that brew. Oh, I can't tell if that's like like way too creepy or if that is just like a normal thing that one might do. I think that it's a little bit creepy. It's kind of like the raisins on the cake thing, you know? I was just going to say it's like the raisins on the cake. <laughs> like, that's pretty intense. Like, I would go visit the castle where Elizabeth Bathory tortured her victims, but I don't think I would go because that happened like years and years and years ago. Yeah. And like the castle isn't working anymore, but that is just so... Yeah, that is very morbid. Yeah, that happened, like, four four years ago. Yeah. yeah. And, like, like the castle has, like, other history to it, too. It's not, like... Yeah, definitely. It's not like you just want to go sit in the same spot that somebody died. <laughs> Let me have this drink and see if I die, too. That's such a Gen Z move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, that was my case. Wow. I actually, the coffee murder. I actually had a couple um, that were pretty interesting that I wanted to do this week. But um, the other one that I was, like, debating doing was um, a, a sex worker who had been um, murdered by a John, I guess. And it was pretty graphic, but um, we haven't had a cyanide case on our podcast yet. So yeah. I figured that maybe now is the time to talk about poison. Yep. Yep. Mike was, my partner Mike was talking to me the other day about the different, I can't remember what we were actually talking about, but we were talking about like the ways that women versus men kill and how women are more likely to get away with it because they can't rely on like their power over their victim to like, especially if it's a woman murdering a man, you have to do it in a way that like there's no like because there's a power imbalance so like you have to poison them yeah so that's why there's so many women who are like serial killers like serial poisoners yeah and it's a lot because they harder to detect um, yeah. sometimes too because you can't like it's it doesn't physically show uh up on the body like beating somebody up or yeah stabbing someone would mm-hmm. i saw this thing the other day i don't know how true this is but someone was saying that there, there's a good chance that there, that there are actually an equal amount of women and men serial killers, but women are smarter in the way they kill, so they're less likely to be caught. Ooh, that's interesting. Which does make sense, because mm-hmm. a lot of people think that men are majority of serial killers, which honestly, I think that probably is true. But I do also think that there are a lot of women serial killers out there who haven't been caught just because they are smarter. Yeah. And they're more calculated. I think that definitely more men are mass murderers. But for, like, serial killers, I feel like uh, when your brain is just messed up like that, it's probably a lot more equal. But we just haven't caught caught them. And that brings Mm -hmm. me to tell you how um, I would murder someone. Um, because it would be by poison. I've thought about this quite quite a lot. Um, 
succinylcholine is a, um, an anesthesia used. So I would just like, that's the only issue that I would have is like trying to get my hands on that without anyone knowing that I got my hands on it. Um, and the fact that I don't have anyone in my life that I would like to murder. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, very great thing. Um, but succinylcholine, um, its half-life is very, very short. I think it's like four minutes or something. And it oh, wow. breaks down into um, glucosides that are normally found in your body. So unless they know immediately that they should be checking for succinylcholine, it's most likely... Uh, super easy to get away with it. The other thing that I I have uh, thought about too is that there would be a puncture wound. Um, so I'm not sure if you can get someone to ingest it and then there's like less chances of someone finding it or like someone has to just go get a shot for like the flu or whatever vaccine and then you do it in the same spot. Mm. <laughs> I saw something that says do it under the tongue. Because it heals really quickly. Mm, that's smart. I like that. <laughs> Not to give anyone any ideas. <laughs> yeah, please, but, you know. please don't follow through with anything that I just said on here. <laughs> and if anyone that I know turns up dead, this was never released. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyways, happy things now. Do you have any updates on Harry Styles? No, I don't. I have sort of an update on Uncle Rick. Ooh. So... For Christmas, we always get, like, a pair of PJs, and for Christmas, I got, like, these fuzzy pants, and apparently my dad picked them out <laughs> for me, but I was actually thinking, oh, I would like a pair of fuzzy pants so because I have a fuzzy top, so then I could, like, match, and I'm working from home, so, you know, I can just be fuzzy, but these pants are so ugly. <laughs> I liked them. Okay, I love them. I'm not going to take them back. I'm just not going to wear them out of the house ever because they are just not flattering, but they make me look like a goat. Like they make my legs look like goat legs. So back to the Uncle Rick point, everyone in my family is like, oh, you look like a satyr. You look like the character Grover in the the uh, Percy Jackson books. And Grover is... Half goat, half man. Yeah, I thought <laughs> like, I was the only one who came to the conclusion that you looked like Grover, and now I'm upset. No, unfortunately, it was my entire family. Dang it! I thought that I was really doing something there. Yeah, I um, I guess my Harry Styles update is that I also got some more images of Harry Styles for Christmas. Um, my sister photoshopped a picture. Um, she had done this picture of Venus, like the goddess. And she had, like, done her, like, in, like, a galaxy background. So it was really cool. And I told her that I really liked it. So she printed that off for me. And then she also did Harry Styles in the same, like, galaxy coloring. So Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. And it's of him wailing, which I don't know if you know what that means. But if you've ever watched any of his videos, he, like, will, like... Right before his concerts end, he'll chug some water and then like oh yeah, squirt it up into the air. Yes, brilliant. I've seen that and it's it's kind of weird, but you know every every performer has their stage trick. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's not weird. It's beautiful and wonderful, and I love it. Wow, Tegan, the bar's really set low for men. 
All you need to do is drink water and spurt it up in the air like you're a whale. And then I'll love you. No, though. Uh, I would say that the bar is high because only Harry Styles can do that. And I would think that it's attractive. I see. I see. <laughs> and, like, to compare yourself against Harry Styles, like, come on. That's a high bar. It really is. You need to date, like, an Olympic athlete that like, a high jumper so we can jump over that bar. I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> Um, another update, I decided to paint more of my apartment last night. Um, so I've got one wall left to do and then to paint the bathroom and then that's it. My entire apartment has been completely repainted by myself. (laughs) Are you just painting it white? Yeah, I'm just painting it white. It's kind of like, I don't know if it was white once and it's kind of just like faded, but it's kind of like, like a... It's not beige, but it's not white. Like, it's just like an, like, like off-white. An eggshell. Yeah, like a yellowy eggshell. So now everything is going to be bright white. Uh, I think that it looks a lot better um, and a lot less dated, so. Nice. Yeah, I'm happy. It's, it's starting it's starting to come together a little bit more. Um, book update. Uh, I've decided that I'm going to become a witch and I am reading a book about, uh, green witchcraft, which isn't like Wicca or like the spiritual kind of side of things. Like I won't be, um, creating like pentagons and summoning the demons, uh, or. Oh, why not? I know. I figured that, you know, I should probably start off with an easier form of witchcraft before I like jump into uh, you know, the occult. Um, but this, <laughs> this is more just like, um, being like more like one with nature, I guess you could say. Like, I want to say like, like a naturalist. I don't even know mm. if that's a thing, but it's kind of just like more like connecting with like your environment and being grateful for like where you live and what, what the world provides for you so it's kind of cool it's got some uh essential oil recipes that i might make um for my diffusers and um it's got like some recipes for like um just like lunches and dinners and stuff which is kind of cool and it's uh yeah it's pretty neat so far so timothy our cat um, he has these little stuffies. We, he had one green stuffy. Um, I'm not sure if you can hear him in the background right now. I can hear something in the background. Oh yeah, I hear him. Mm, Tim, I miss you. Um, but anyways, he has this little green stuffy and we call him Poot. And he is like a, uh, uh, Poot. um, like, I think they're called squishmallows. It's like a little tiny one, like the size of my fist. And he's a little green dinosaur. And Timothy, every night, he picks it up out of his toy bin, and he brings it into one of our rooms and carries it and drops it at our feet and cries. Um, And we looked it up, and that basically means that he thinks that he's gone out and killed something. Oh, no. (laughs) And that he's presenting it to us because he thinks that he needs to look after us. Aww. Uh, So... Um, his mum, Kat, got him another one, and we named it Doot, 
and it's like a little brown hamster. Um, but it's like the same thing. And last night, Tim came into my room carrying poot in his mouth, screaming, drops it at my feet, and then gets up and leaves and walks over and grabs dude and does the exact same thing and dropped them both right at the exact same spot right at the bottom of my bed. And <laughs> I've never felt so loved before. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. He's like, here, Tegan, I haven't seen you kill any animals to eat, so this is me doing it for you. Aww. Because he's never been outside. He's an indoor cat, so he just thinks that his stuffed animals are food. That's so funny. Where are we going? You are going to West Virginia. Mountain Mama. West Virginia. United States of America. Country road. Sorry, Virginia. You guys have got to wait. Yeah. That's hilarious. Cool. I'm excited. And where's Megan going? I'm going to Finland. Ooh. That's Mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah. My, one of my roommates when I lived in the Netherlands was from Finland. Ooh. Anyways, on that note. Peace out. Peace out, home skillets. Uh, I hope you had a great holidays. I hope you have a happy new year. Let me change that. We hope you had a great holidays and we hope you had a great new year Mm -hmm. don't forget tegan this is my podcast you're the guest don't overstep your boundaries i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry it won't happen again (laughs) send us an email write up a little bit about where you live send it to us so we can you know read it out on the pod so we're not explaining it poorly (laughs) or maybe we can do more episodes where we just read people's stories yeah yeah whatever just email us dest.murder at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram at Destination Murder Pod. Also, give us a follow. Don't just DM us. Just follow us as well. It doesn't matter if you just DM us. Then how are you going to remember to always see the content that we provide? How are you going to remember that each week uh, that we post pictures about um, the case? Who the murderers were, who the victims were, locations on maps. So if you ever want to go to those places... You know, if you want to go to the Olivier Cafe and take a seat where Myrner passed away, or if you want to go to that castle, all that information is there for you. Yep. We give, you take. Come on. Yeah. (laughs) Take it, please. (laughs) Take it, please. (laughs) Uh, Leave us a rate review on Apple Podcasts, whatever. It helps us get new listeners. And... I think that's it. I think that's all the groveling we need to do, Tegan. Yeah. So, peace out. Peace out. Goodbye. 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 Wait, is this coming out before New Year's? Yeah. Happy. See you next year. I see you next year. <laughs> Happy. We'll be in your ear hole. 2020 is over. Enjoy. Which means the pandemic's over. Yeah. Congrats. You <laughs> made kidding, it. It's not. It's still going. Oh. I love how we think that this is just going to be over as soon as the clock hits. If it's not, I'm just going to disassociate. Just whoop, the, gone. The clock goes to the 13th hour. Oh, yeah. No, what happens is it just rewinds it. and it's January 1st, 2020 again. That would be great. We'd get to go back to Amsterdam. Yeah, it would be. All right. Enough of this chit chat. Uh, goodbye. I'll see you later. In a while, crocodile. Bye.